Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, small business, big day. Live from the Cowichan Valley. And don't worry. Be happy. This is Obstacle Course. We're on the road, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going for, right, Andrew? <laughs> uh, that's not what, what anyone's going for. <laughs> Remember? We just talked about how tone deaf you are. I'm worried. In our life, we have some... T- okay, anyways. What a great day we had. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. The the whole worry thing, it's because our keynote speaker who led off the day... Yes. Isabel, who mm-hmm. you're going to hear from very shortly. Leap Zone Strategies. Yeah. She says the big five-letter word that can ruin us all is worry. It's worry. So don't worry. So this day um, started with Andrew having to get up earlier than he's maybe ever gotten up in his life. I, it's, <laughs> it's one of the earliest I've ever gotten up not to get on a flight. So <laughs> normally when I get up at 5.15 in the morning, I'm going to Mexico <laughs> yeah. or... Greece, but not Duncan. Not Duncan. <laughs> no offense to our all our lovely friends in Duncan, who we spent the day with. Yeah. The Couch and Valley is beautiful. It's it a beautiful is. place and warm, friendly people. And we had a local sandwich, did we not? We went to a local sandwich shop, yeah. Rick Street Cafe. Shout out to him making homemade local bread and local sandwiches. I love them. Yeah, John <laughs> likes the simple things in life. I do, and he mm. wants to. Bring back the memories of being in uh, Grammalee's, eating egg salad sandwich. Yeah, and, getting uh, stuck in the bathroom. Getting stuck in the bathroom. And uh, I don't use the back- bathroom at Rick's, nor will I. No, at least make sure the soap's off your hands. I will, I will. Or else you'll be screaming and it'll probably sound somewhat like you trying to sing Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we learned a, a lot about the challenges that small businesses experience. We met a lot of amazing people who are going to be not only on this episode but uh, a number of them i think will be future episodes as a whole because there's just some incredible stories here well and speaking of leaping we came into this day with just no confirmed guests (laughs) and so andrew got up early drove all the way down here set up all the equipment and we're like hopefully people will sit down with us yeah and it turns out you know six people sat down with us and uh, you'll you'll get to hear a little 15 minute conversations which was an obstacle because we're used to the full two hours and uh, we felt like we were kind of cutting them off just as they were getting warmed up but see it as a li- like a little taster folks uh, these are some tasty people I'll go with that metaphor okay and uh, and yeah like Andrew said hopefully we get to hear the rest of their story or else you can just hop on their website and, and check out their full story um, some amazing people yeah all starting businesses from the ground up yeah. and some have crumbled back down and then they've had to rebuild them and i mean failure is part of success as we like to say so we we talk about the failures we talk about the triumphs and we as we like to we get real and uh and talk about what's really going on and and what is motivating them to to make an impact through the work that they do and and that's one uniting theme uh is there's so much passion from people who have created something that they believe in they love and is aligned with their own interests and values and and that's why they've started a business so for people who maybe haven't created a business or or are not in the entrepreneurship world it's like i i I couldn't encourage it anymore because it's an opportunity to take something that you really believe in 
and something that's meaningful and create a business out of it. Even if it starts as just being a side hustle or something to sell on uh, Shopify, I almost said, said Spotify, I you were but, say Spotify, but I mean, yeah. maybe you're selling your podcast on Spotify yeah, exactly. or your beautiful tunes like John. Exactly. Don't worry. <laughs> Even if you're doing that, maybe somebody will buy it. Probably not. But if you have more talent, then create something and, and put it on Spotify. Either way, I'm not worried about it. No, it's clear. <laughs> Clearly. So something that we wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. Is we want to do more of these. Doing live events. Yeah, because we're great at that. <laughs> we have fun and yeah. we get to meet people, but it's not just about us. It's we think that the podcast adds another dimension and then we take what was this live event and uh, it gives an opportunity to market it and continue the life of the event through the podcast and all that magic there's always a lot of chatter at this event most of it's good and we we like to capture some of that chatter as well as to go a little bit deeper behind uh, the people that are presenting and so that's why we love doing these yeah so if you have an event and you're like boy you know we need that we need an x factor we need something to make us stand out call obstacle course Mm -hmm. we'll come make your event uh, that much better and more enjoyable people like talking to us people like talking to us and uh and then it gives the people who weren't able to attend the event this year a new way to approach it maybe they'll hear about it through the podcast and be like wow that not only sounded like a an interesting episode that sounds like a really beneficial thing for me to get to next time around well and speaking of obstacles andrew like what would you say to people who who would say you know event sounded great guys but i'm a small business owner i can't get away for the day nor i can't give up a day of of revenue what would you say to those people yeah great question so it's all about prioritization and sure eight hours not at your business there's a cost to that but what could the benefit be and what if you're showing up and you're fully engaged you're giving all of your attention to it and you're taking pages and pages of notes and applying all of those resources and lessons and ideas to growing your business rather than just working in your business it's it's the difference between working on your business and working in your business if you're just constantly every day fully immersed in just getting by and just keeping that train rolling you'll never really experience growth and you'll probably experience burnout but if you are able to step back and work on the business then then you can see real change happen (laughs) so we got the organizer alec here just doing some hand motions for do you want to come get drunk with us <laughs> I think and, so. uh, who doesn't who or maybe doesn't? your voices sound really scratchy and you guys should drink some water <laughs> it's one of the two maybe that's what you're saying <laughs> yeah oh, no, it's, it's the, the first second one. Oh, the second, the second one, one. <laughs> second one well <laughs> thank you or or um, she wants us out of the room yeah, which she's is like <laughs> we're trying to clean up <laughs> yeah could you guys shut yeah. the hell up yeah this is going to cost me money if you guys stay here any longer <laughs> yeah one more hour is gonna be five hundred dollars <laughs> so okay <laughs> yeah yeah no, uh, Alica, she did an amazing job pulling this together, and, and it, was, it was just great to be part of it. And, you know, people use, you know, fancy business people use words like R- ROI, return on investment, and, and po- one possible ROI for this would just be the community. 
Um, we talk a lot about community on the podcast. It's, it's a goal we have. And, and uh, I'd like to thank Andrew being a Victoria boy. He feels a little connected to the Duncan community after a oh, day yeah. like this, right? The Duncan business community. And I feel a, a little more connected to some of the people I haven't seen in, in a number of years. And uh, it was just great to, to get back with my community and, and then hear some of their stories. So I uh, recommend this for next year, folks. Uh, take the time out. Come on out. And maybe you can sit and talk with us and yeah. we'll, we'll air your story. And if you're not from around here, then... Yeah. There's events like this happening Check all, all over the world, yeah. and it's, it's so easy to be like, well, I'm too busy. I, I can't make that. I'm too busy. But if you, I mean, busy is a choice. For sure. And you choose what you're busy with, and taking the opportunity to go to a live event and be fully engaged, it can have incredible benefits, whether it's the community that you're strengthening, an idea that comes to you, the maybe a little bit of investment into yourself or into your business it's um you never know how big of an impact that can have until you do it and change doesn't just happen you you have to create change in yourself and, and maybe going to an event or or doing something a little bit different out of your routine and, and making it a priority will have a great effect well and if you're thinking you know i got a great event and i live in new york obviously the guys wouldn't come out we would i mean try us bring us on out to your local event we're not just an island podcast folks we're there for you wherever you are (laughs) isn't that nice Uh, it's better than singing at least yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening everybody as we have pushed record now we've already made the choice to uh have this conversation in a longer format as well um, because there's a lot to unpack here um, but Ali and Ralph welcome thanks for having us yeah cheers do you want to just introduce Riot Brewing a little bit maybe about the um, where the name came from and uh, why you started decided to start a brewery well uh, I guess it starts from our previous lives um, where we both worked for small businesses and we, you know, reached our plateau. The next position was taking the owner's spot and you're not going to do that. And so, um, after one of those shitty days, you know, where fuck it all, um, Allie called and said, you know, I'm sick of my job. Let's open a brewery. I was like, great, let's do it. <laughs> How? That's we awesome. got no money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was a lot of research and development at that time where we'd just buy a shit ton of beer and and taste it be like okay we'd critique the labels you know the packaging formats and so we early on we got an, a really good idea of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to create um which led to choosing the name riot uh we were quite shocked to find out that all the domain names were still available because riot brewing sounds yeah it's rad. awesome yeah sure and so I think we got those in 2010. Um, and basically, we've been best friends uh, since high school. Uh, we dated for a bit, whatever. We still remain friends. And our That's lives, an obstacle right there, man. Yeah. That's a, maybe the biggest <laughs> obstacle of your story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, especially remaining friends after that, you know. But yeah. honestly, well, I mean, this is off topic, but oh, we could yeah. we could live with each other, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. we were both clean people, yeah. um, so we just remained best friends and lived together for most of our adult lives now. Um, but anyway, so Riot symbolizes our lives together through the ups and downs. It's just 
all about having a good time and having a riot. Cool. Life's a riot. Anything to add there? I like the part about we're both clean people. It's like, what does that mean? (laughs) We're both neurotically clean. So I think that's what he meant. It took me a second to be like, huh? Uh, No STDs. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, It was like clean lifestyle. We both own a brewery. We drink a lot. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, the whole riot name, it's, just you know what Ralph was saying life's a riot and uh kind of just go with the flow like I don't think we would have ever guessed we'd open a brewery in Shamanis of all places being mm-hmm. you know kids who are living in an East Van so for us it's just you know the partnership and it's it's not the negative you know side of riot it's the positive because life's a riot yeah and absolutely and you did come from the mainland to the island so you did choose at some point to, to make to make that move, what was the main factors? <laughs> well, the dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really was. We had we got a dog, and we nice. had a what kind of dog? We, uh, we have two dogs right now. Yeah. We have uh, two white boxers. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got our first one, and uh, we realized that our front yard was also our backyard, and it was like like twenty square feet. Uh, well, it was twenty by twenty concrete okay. pad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was but, like, this sucks for the dog. Yeah, yeah but I mean, sure. you know, walking walking the dog every day and just house, house, house. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, and, you know, I'm a friendly guy, so I'd say good morning to people that are on their way to work going to the SkyTrain, and, you know, they'd look at me like I was going to murder them. I was just like, right. like, I don't know if I can do this. If we <laughs> open in Vancouver, we're stuck in this 900-square-foot townhouse right. basically yeah. forever because we'll you're never going to. never gonna, be able to afford a house. Yeah. Absolutely. So Allie's family all lives in the valley here, and you know I'd come over frequently with, uh, with her just to hang out, and you know, and it's a gorgeous area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at that point in time, there's only the brew pub, um, plus you know, twenty plus wineries and cidery distillery, and it was like, why is there not a brewery? Here? Yeah, for you sure. know. So um, we kind of just pretty much went all in. Yeah, and we also knew if we didn't do it then, we never would be able to. So we kind of just bit the bullet and said, hey, let's, let's get out of Vancouver. Uh, we ended up selling our townhouse and buying a house over here, which was a big upgrade. And then we got a second dog because <laughs> we have a yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. why not? And yeah. now we're never at our house. Ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so really, Do the dogs come to the brewery? No. <laughs> they have. We've tried it before and it wasn't super successful. So they, it was in the dog's point of view. But <laughs> <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> so... Yeah. Good thing they have a yard now, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, in terms of, I heard you say that it took seven years to actually get the brewery opened. We, we won't get too deep into the why in this conversation, but how did you keep persevering in that seven years? I mean, you said you're clean people now. Maybe you weren't then. Maybe, maybe that was a, a crutch you leaned on. But, uh, yeah, how, how do you keep going when it's seven years of yeah. a struggle? Stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness. Yeah. Could have had, you know, master's degrees by now. Could be but. doctor. <laughs> doctor, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think the only way we were able to is because we had each other. Because... Mm-hmm. Literally by, you know, year seven, I think I could count on one hand how many people still believed in the dream. Right. Everybody gave up on us, our family, our friends. Everyone thought we were crazy. And we just, I, we believed in it so much that we just couldn't stop. And we kept going. And it got really 
tight and really hairy and you know we both had really good jobs in Vancouver and it got to a point that we were welcome to the valley <laughs> we were trimming weed and uh, yeah, sweeping sure. parking lots on the weekend yeah. and like, cleaning houses and cleaning houses and it's okay. like I remember looking at Ralph one morning at six o'clock in the morning at the parking lot we're sweeping in winter and just been like how did we fuck our lives up so bad like we had really good jobs in Vancouver and we just kept going and going and I think it was probably more painful for our family and friends watching us do it because they literally watched us destroy our lives and so it was a big rejoice when it was like oh right it's finally opening I think it was actually probably more of a sigh of relief from people <laughs> so I get the sense from your story that there is almost this underlining like push for like we have to do this oh it definitely got to that yeah. point you know, like like we just have to do this so so i guess what i'm asking is is what what in your minds did you think that opening riot would would give you or do for you free beer <laughs> so free beer for sure no i'm kidding we no pay. i we, mean we that, pay for beer that is a perfect <laughs> but no it was, was it connected yeah. to a value perhaps was it connected to a oh, lifestyle absolutely because our whole thing is you know, as I was mentioning in the uh, kind of seminar there, it's like going back to our roots of being, you know, the old skateboarder, punk rock. Yeah. And it was kind of that proving that anything is possible and mm -hmm. anyone can do anything they put their mind to if you just keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember I had one of the breweries I worked at in Vancouver years and years ago. Um, my whole arm, I have a sleeve on my arm, my whole arm's tattooed. And I got it when I was really young. I think I was like 20. And without aging myself too much, that was a while ago. Yeah. And there wasn't many people who had visible tattoos back then. And I remember being hired at this job and they're like, oh, well, she could never do sales and she could never be out in the public. And it's just been like, really? Like, mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be that kind of company. And I remember even when I was getting a tattoo, it's like, oh, you're never going to get a job. And it's like, well, I'm not going to want to work for somebody who wouldn't hire me because I have a fucking tattoo. And so for us, it was that proving that you can be who you are mm -hmm. and you don't have to conform mm -hmm. and you can still have a successful business. And I think a big thing too was treating our employees how we wanted to be treated. And I think that was a big thing for us. It, it really was the, the rebel showing that they can do it, right? So we had to yeah, kind of keep fighting because everyone thought we would fail. Yeah. I mean, really, okay, we did go insolvent for a pit, but... Yeah, we're, we're coming out of that. But, I mean, I think another point of that, too, is the brewing industry as a whole is a family. And we were a part of that family, and we wanted to continue to be a part of that family. Um, you know, I mean, we didn't even have a brick-and-mortar building, and we're getting invited to... Um, the collaborations. collaborations between all the breweries oh, and mm -hmm. you know just everyone pushing for us uh you know hey here we got this old equipment you guys want it um like so much of that right that it just made you want to keep going right these guys believe that you guys should have a brewery so we had, and, we believed as well and god i what i think like a hundred breweries opened in the time that we were trying to open our brewery yeah. and since we're friends with most of them they felt really bad <laughs> like, hey, Sorry, guys. In there, Ryan. you know you try carbonating some water <laughs> was so, it was just that you know maybe it was completely ridiculous and we should have given up but it was like well we have to do this now right yeah I I would be remiss to not ask what took it so long what was it 
money. Yeah, when you don't have any yeah. of your own money, it's kind of hard to uh, open a brewery. <laughs> so it took basically that long uh, to panhandle $1.3 million. Wow. And, and did you know, like, at what stage of the seven years did you realize, okay, we're going to have to come up with $1.3 million? Well, it really should have been closer to two. Yeah. Right? We got to 1.3 and just ripped the Band-Aid off and said, fuck it, we're opening. Yeah, yeah. Which probably is part of the reason we got into the situation we did later in, in time. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was just, you know, this is ridiculous. We just flogging a dead horse. We can keep trying to raise money or we can just do it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was, it, was, it was comical because, you know, we got to the point of, like, our equipment's in, the building, the building's built, obviously the equipment's in. And everyone would be coming in and be like, why aren't you guys open? It's like, because we don't even have money to buy grain. Mm. You know, like we really <laughs> smoked and mirrored our ways through wow. it. And it, oh, fuck yeah. like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we're, we have this brewery going well set up and we, we can't even brew. And two random people actually walked by and I was like, hey, you want to check the place out? Because we're pretty chatty. And they just came in and gave them my card and a couple of days later they called and they said hey we want to invest and give you the money you need to open and wow. that's that was like our final push push and it was like all right and i remember like within a week yeah. of meeting them they you know handed us over quite a substantial check and i remember just being like bye 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 like order everything we need let's go we're we're opening soon and we actually didn't even tell our friends or family we were opening wow. we literally because we you know, you're still thinking it might not happen. Right. <laughs> and so I, I remember we like called them the day of and like, just to let you know we're opening the brewery today. And they're like, what? <laughs> why didn't you tell us? It's like, because we just need to open. That's yeah. why. Almost makes you want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very That's soft awesome. opening. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then full steam ahead. Yeah. Well, I think that's maybe a... Too much? Uh, no, it's a spectacular point to pause because mm -hmm. we're going to con continue this conversation Absolutely. going. So we've kind of told a little bit of the backstory. Mm -hmm. We can dig more into it when we get together again. But um, one last question I wanted to ask, because uh, it might not come to mind next time, is your the pins on your strap there. You have some, uh, some really bold... flare. My flare. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, yeah. your flare. You need at least 10 pieces of flare every day. So, well, you've got like... 13 or so at least yeah so I, I'm gonna ask is you to speak to one of the pins that that is really um, really really bold we've got fuck mediocrity we've got ignore your rights and go away I am the 99% and actually guns do kill people so if you could, my goonies one <laughs> if you could just speak to one of those pick pick one that um, that you can speak to in this hmm. moment and uh, and share what it means. Well, good. I'd go with the CBC one. Yeah. <laughs> or just a CBC <laughs> Yeah, I also have a CBC pin. Um, I don't know, let's do uh, ignore your rights or to go away. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, stand up for what you believe in and you know, if, if we all continue to be sheeple, then we will be treated as such, mm. right? Yeah. And I think that's also part of, of Riot is kind of doing things our own way. Right, I, I, you're never gonna make everybody happy, so stay true to self. And you know, that I guess kind of the pin represents that of just staying true to who you are and, and stand up for your rights and fuck everything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> one of one of Andrew and I's idols, uh, or idols. We don't have idols, but one of one of people we look up to is a writer by the name of Seth Godin, and he has the idea of go make a ruckus. 
and that's what makes me think of what you're talking about is, is cause a riot like like just you know make put your stamp on the world you know put your yeah. unique stamp on the world and go make a ruckus and it's inspiring to see what you're doing and and there is a, a really really interesting part two to this conversation folks so we are gonna we are gonna get back together with these uh amazingly brave yeah. <laughs> business owners or <laughs> stupid and, yeah. and, and talk about what happens when when things went sideways yeah. and how yeah. they're how they're in the process of, of, of coming back we look forward to it yeah. yeah yeah and there's a lot of mindset tips in there as well that you were already speaking to and, and we chatted with as we were coming over here and yeah it's going to be amazing and we're going to do it at riot Ooh, yeah yes, yes. Probably okay. with beer in hand. Yes. Okay, sounds good. Or, or both hands. Right? Yeah, hey, exactly. Hey. Yes. Yeah, you can I'd do... rather double fist that than the water and a coffee. Yeah, you can podcast hands-free. Yeah, nice. You won't even get a ticket. Although no. I might, driving home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> might stay the night at John's place. There you go. That's fine. But, yeah. Great to meet you both. And uh, look forward to the next conversation. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. for having us. Okay. Appreciate it. Isabel, you were our keynote speaker this morning. You led off the day while people were having breakfast, which was, we like to talk about obstacles. Was it an obstacle competing for everyone's attention over uh, over the breakfast that they had just served themselves? You know what? It, it always is a little bit of a competing uh, with food, you know? I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, however... Um, I think the 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 goal and the key is to just command attention, is to just actually you know own the message and just deliver it. But yeah, we're we're I'm in competition with food all the time. Bacon and eggs be damned. <laughs> That's right. The noise and the you know being being you know beside someone that you're just you could be chatting and For sure. in fact yeah. I found the the uh, this morning everybody was very quiet. I'm not used to this quiet. Mm. Usually I'm like oh my god what's going on with this with this and busy taking notes, busy uh, you know kind of pondering obviously i was asking yeah insightful questions so you know so it's, it's just part of the i was waiting for game. you to do a tony robbins everyone stand up and uh, run around the room that's right let's, <laughs> let's yeah let's high five our neighbor yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. we we went to a tony robbins event uh, like a year like, ago, yeah. Uh, yeah maybe even more than a year ago now it was a long time it was kind of part of the birthing process of the yep. podcast yeah which nice. is a weird weird term but tony was there <laughs> yeah um and yeah he was very much about getting full engagement and full like focus. high Demanded intensity it. yeah um yeah. so how do you, how do you, uh, we're, we're definitely in a competition for attention culture, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's to get attention to your coaching practice and, and um, the center or, or just c- commanding the captivation of an audience. Uh, how do you go about getting people's attention? Yeah, you know, that's a, a, a great key ingredient of branding, actually, taking, having people's attention. Um, first, you know, you've got to be really authentic, really real. People are craving human, human conversation, not marketing conversation. Um, but one of the key ingredients, there's 10 key ingredients of branding, which, of course, I'm not going to rattle them all off here. <laughs> but there's a few that are really important. One of them is uh, your secret sauce, right, your X factor. Mm. And it's the one thing that really makes you different, that gets people to go, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? But first, before you can um, share the secret sauce, you have to grab attention. And um, in branding, grabbing attention is by having a strong premise. And a premise is a statement, a belief, that really either gets people to go, oh my God, I wholeheartedly agree, or 
she's on crack. <laughs> right. And then the goal of a premise is to interrupt, and then it's to for you to educate and to persuade, right? To get people from the she's on crack crowd to actually go, oh my god, that actually makes sense, mm-hmm. right? So first you got to grab attention, yeah. but you got to do it in a really. Nobody likes plastic flowers, no. you know. No. <laughs> we all, every time I audit a website or I look at people's uh, marketing material, the first thing that I found uh, that I find is that it's too much marketing language. It's too much beautiful a beautiful string along words that makes a, a beautiful sentence, but it doesn't it doesn't actually connect. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. resonate. It doesn't resonate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, one of the main topics that you were speaking to the the audience about this morning. Um, was worry and w- you called yourself uh, a recovering work worryaholic worryaholic <laughs> correct I and yeah. I was wondering uh, John and I were both wondering and maybe I'm stealing his question here sorry um, it's but a shared question <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what describe yourself as a worryaholic and how did you overcome that yeah you know I remember as a kid worrying about just about everything you know I didn't like auditions still don't um, I just didn't like anything that would cause me and I worried about just about uh, honestly everything and I remember my mom asking me why why do I worry so much like why do, why do I care so much and that's when she actually said to me Isabel if you can't say no to what you don't want you're never going to have the time and the energy for what you do want mm. and that really it really struck a chord with me and it, it, then I became completely obsessed with figuring out what causes worry and why does it stop people and me including me included why does it stop us from doing what we want what we need and what how we want to innovate and um uh, truly, it is about creating units of happiness. It is about, and for me, I've uncovered that what leads to worry, because a lot of people want to reduce worry, but you can't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to stop worrying. That mm-hmm. just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've uncovered that what you tolerate will 100% lead to worry. So is everything stem from tolerating? Maybe not. But everything you ever tolerate will always lead you to worry. And by tolerate, you mean you mean what exactly? Anything. It could be uh, as small as the tap water is leaking one drop at a time, twenty four seven. To the car is always dirty. To um, behaviors from employees that you don't want. Uh, for example, I had an employee years ago that was constantly late constantly late for everything that happens to be one of the biggest disrespect in my world my belief I mean, sure. it might not be everyone's belief but it's mine and uh, and I remember tolerating his being late all the time until I decided that uh, he wanted a raise and I didn't want to give him a raise until he would show up on time and eventually I, I it clicked for me I went oh hey have you ever been late for a flight he actually said no I'm like why he's like <laughs> Well, there's too much at stake. And I went, right. you just got yourself a raise. Right. <laughs> wow. And the moment you become late again, I will withdraw that raise. Right. So it, it's, a, it's a dance between understanding that you, what you're tolerating. And it could be you're tolerating, again, a, a toxic relationship. It could be um, that you're not happy at work. It could be that there's someone at work. It could be that it's one client or a few clients that are high maintenance. Truly, what is it that you roll your eyes about? as small as it can be or as large as it can be 
getting rid of that in your life for me and i'll speak for myself for me has given me so much peace of mind of, of course another word for tolerate could be something that you allow Something right? that you allow. Something you allow to continue to happen. When uh, it's something you don't want. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, so a question I had for you was, um, you know, you spoke earlier about secret sauce. Yes. And it, this, this made me think of like knowing yourself and your, perhaps your true self. And I wonder what, what the link is between knowing your true self and, and maybe worrying less. You know, a great link, actually. Um, the more you know about yourself, the more you... Now, it's one thing to know about yourself. It's another thing to respect it and right. actually design your life to respect yourself right. and others around you of course but um and the link there is the more you know yourself the more you're able to actually understand what you're willing or not willing to do to get from here to there and the more you're able to do that the more you're able to craft and design your life how you want it as opposed to how people have designed it for you because if you don't yeah. design your life someone else will because mm -hmm. you have you have more control there and and obviously worry is about lack of control worry and so when you have more control over your time and your value and what people ask of you then perhaps worrying starts to be something that you don't do as much yeah and as we right. talked about in in the talk this morning there's 92% of what we worry about is either will never happen has already happened is yeah, unnecessary exactly. or is you know piddly right. so there's really 8% of worry that are actual legitimate worry right so if we take this 92% of ridiculousness of worrying for nothing you can actually repurpose that in designing your life mm -hmm. in creating more impact in creating more um, more community doing things with your time and energy that actually matters yeah. you know yeah. or even just solving the 8% of things that are actually an issue that is absolutely <laughs> Absolutely correct. You now know, I it's, can deal with it. it's vital few versus trivial many. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, now, the thing about tolerating things, if you want to take action against the things that you've been tolerating, you have a, a choice in to either move to a place of acceptance or or change it or stop tolerating it, doing something about it. Yes. And I wonder um, how you know which route, like once you've decided, you've made up your mind, I'm, I'm going to stop tolerating this. And because and maybe maybe people automatically think that means I, have to, I need to remove it. But you can move to a place of acceptance. Totally. Um, if, if you change your mindset. So I wonder if um, if we can speak to that briefly, because I think we, we need to be wrapping up Yeah, we've up just been soon. given the sign for lunch. So uh, we've got a couple minutes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Trade-offs is the answer. Trade-offs. So I always look at what is what are the trade-offs for every decision whether it's a positive decision, negative decision, mediocre decision, for every decision or every tolerance or every worry, there's a trade-off. Mm -hmm. Are you will? Which trade-offs are you willing to solve versus the ones that you know? Will it matter in five years? Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. Right? It all depends. So, it's it's about picking your battles and not um, not compromise or settle for something that you don't want. In employees, and when we look under the hood of a business, we find so many times people that are not happy, mm -hmm. they're not doing what they want, and they're not speaking up for what they want. Even if it's a meal that's not enjoyable at the restaurant all the way down to what you want to do in your life, um, it is about taking charge, knowing yourself, knowing what you're willing and not willing to do, and getting rid of, uh, getting rid of all the things that don't help you or don't help others and really concentrating on which trade-offs you actually want to solve. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, I, we could continue this conversation a lot longer, and, I, and hopefully we will. We'll find a time to do that. We will. But um, great. 
So just uh, as we leave, how can people find out more about what you're doing and the, the retreat that you, um, the retreat center that you take care of and, and um, I'm sure people would love to hear about. So where can they go to find that? Yeah, leapzonestrategies.com. And our retreat center is in Nanus Bay on Vancouver Island. It is called Trailblazers. And it helps entrepreneurs and business leaders um, get really noticed, right? Get noticed um, and really help their culture and their business move to the next level. So it's all about being the first, the best, or the only. It means so much that you take some of your time and sit with us today. So thanks so much, Isabel, for the great work you're doing. And folks, get into the leap zone. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Jim, welcome to Obstacle Course. We uh, we don't know much about each other here at the table. We just met. Yes. We know you are have a background in rowing, and uh, and that you have a nice family on Obstacle Course because we've had a few rowers on as already. So, um, yeah. do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience in in rowing and, and how it shaped your life? Sure, sure. Uh, never never achieved the status of uh, some of your other two guests. However. Okay, next uh, question. Next question. <laughs> and I'm from the U.S., so I may be blacklisted for this. But uh, I, I was, <laughs> when I went to university, I was a walk-on, and then I went through the U.S. development system as part of the national team. Nice. Uh, dating myself, this is back in uh, 87. I went to, so 87 to 91, and then I was on the team from uh, 90 to 93, you know, in different facets. Um, and uh, so it was a big part of my life, of course, as, yeah. as any rower will say, with that kind of that philosophy and underwriting uh, way of existence, if you will. And then I walked away from the sport for 15 years and came back to it when I was uh, 39. Hmm. And uh, then, I, then I coached and I started to coach again on the university level and uh, started to compete as a master's athlete uh, internationally. And, I, I checked off a few more bucket list items uh, as far as uh, regattas and things like that, and doing doing well at cool. that at that age. So it was awesome. good. What What did you learn as a rower that you are able to apply in your Ooh. professional career now? Yeah, well, as a as a performance coach uh, in the business uh, and personal realm, really personal and business brand, uh, it's all about. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's still all about architecture, design of a plan, implementing the plan, action items, uh, understanding the scope of the journey uh, in terms of uh, the micro versus the macro vision, you know, with Adam on, with Adam Creek, for example, that's a quadrennial. So there's a four-year plan, much like a business when it's a three to five-year plan, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then reverse engineering backwards, uh, where you have that uh, periodization training, if you will, where you, you break that down into bite-sizable chunks in sequential order. It's the same thing as running a business. Perfect. How did you get connected with Isabel and Leap Zone? Interesting, a very interesting and, and uh, unique question, actually. Uh, I was at a, at a crossroads in my life where I, uh, I stepped away from performance coaching in the athletic realm, and my other uh, career has always been opening, running, and establishing restaurants, bars, uh, resorts. Oh, okay. So I've kind of had two parallel things much yeah. intertwined. And I was at, I was sitting at a resort here on the island. I used to run a resort up island. Which one? Uh, Crown Isle Resort. Nice. In okay. Oh, nice. So I was the director of operations sitting in this big corner office, the stereotypical corner office, glass all around. Oh, nice. 
220 employees under me. Wow. Uh, and I was miserable. Mm. Mm. And uh, I'm sure you've heard of Rich Roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. I read his book. I started doing his podcast. And originally, I wanted to do a podcast. Hey. Really? And it just so happened uh, I had an opportunity to pitch Shaw TV for a show that I wanted called The Inspirational 30. And uh, that ended up happening and coming to fruition. And so I was looking for inspirational guests and, and a good cross section of uh, motivational, inspirational people. And Isabel from Leave Zone Strategies happened to be third guest on season one. Mm. Cool. And then the rest is history. I'm sure there's a whole episode on what contributed to your misery in that moment. But what, what were some <laughs> of the what were some of the the main factors that sort of bubbled up and caused you to finally just leave that amazing office? The need for uh, the need for more inward. So, in other words, I was unhappy, but I realized I was unhappily because I I was always associated with achievements in sport, or I was associated with other things, and I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Mm. Uh, I knew that I wanted to inspire and motivate people mostly because that's what I needed. I wanted to grow as a person, uh, and so then I started to amass these different knowledge and listen to podcasts and kind of assimilate all that and I wanted to share that you know awesome. and, and grow as a as a person and by design help other people if I can along the way yeah. so I guess you could say it was somewhat selfish and yet still helping others right yeah and yeah. the thing is about doing that self-work is that's really the key to be able to help others if, if we're if we're like completely broken or misguided or we're not connected to our values internally our capacity to make an impact on others is, is severely limited absolutely so i i have a, a big question here but um if we were talking hero's journey and and being miserable in in the the big office the corner office was like the dark night of the soul and and then you you stepped away you did the work and now you have a uh, something to teach, something to bring back to the community. What do you think if you were able to um, really drill that down into a, one cohesive message, what would that be? The idea that as a human race, we're all the same. Therefore, we all have the ability to change. And the first step is the courage to look at the person in the mirror and I truly believe that uh, you know we're all the same we all have that innate ability either some people don't realize it they don't choose to realize it whatever it is but it's there and uh, courage is the first step and for me it was courage uh, at that time walking away from a a good salary when I have two kids and a wife uh, and food to put on the table as the sole provider uh, it's courage. It, it sounds to me that you weren't perhaps living to your true capability or your true self, that there was a real you in there that was missing out and was frustrated. And um, and then when you were able to look and find him, now you've you've found maybe more fulfillment in what you're doing. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, is it's at that point, I still didn't even know what the true of me was. And, and right. I don't know if we ever really do know. We, yeah. we start to go down that path and we're always, we're always adding to it. For sure. Mm-hmm. Constructing it as we go. We, we're on the right path. Now I'm definitely on the right path. Now every day it's like I'm stepping into that skin. 
Absolutely. more and more and more. Yeah, and and that's exactly kind of what I was going to ask about next. Is so you you went through that process. It was undoubtedly painful and stressful, but um, you you made it through that. And I'm wondering what now at this point in your life what what is the greatest challenge that you face in your current realm and we have two minutes and on that <laughs> note it's like speed dating <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> Andrew loves a huge question <laughs> alright you got 90 seconds I know and go uh, <laughs> at this point I forgot the question no um, yeah. the biggest challenge going forward is like any business owner anybody that I coach I'm no different. I have to continually up-level who I am, uh, the way that I go about business, my self-knowledge, my self-growth, setting aside time for me to grow, uh, so therefore I can always up-level my clients, mm-hmm. up-level the people in my community. It's always about, for me, every day, it's like, how can I operate on a higher frequency or a higher vibration tomorrow than I did today? Mm-hmm. That's a challenge, uh, and it's, but it's a good challenge. That's the thing. It's It's... You know, it's it's still an empowering, hard decision versus a wallowing, self-pity hard decision. For sure. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we do have to cut this conversation yep. short, yeah. but that's hopefully great. it's the first of many. And yeah. um, we can chat about this later, but my story and background in hospitality before coming to do this sort of work... Uh, is fairly similar, so I I see cool. a lot of uh, parallels and and have many more questions that I want to ask. Sure, well, let's so do it. Uh, yeah, great to meet, and uh, until next time. All right, guys, thank you for Thanks having so me. Thanks so much for Appreciate being so open and honest. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Gene, mm-hmm. welcome to Obstacle Course. We're excited to have you on. We had a brief conversation earlier, but we're we're uh, we're going to give it a little bit more opportunity to expand and get to know one another now. Okay. So, do you want to start just by introducing the business that you're here representing? Okay. Uh, my name is Jean, and I am the owner manager of Cardino Shoes in downtown Duncan. Awesome. And now we we know that you've been doing this. For 20 years now you've had that mm-hmm. store for 20 years which is a, a big achievement um, John always likes to talk about statistics of small business and the, the survival odds of, of getting 20 years in are very low mm-hmm. what do you think has allowed you to last for 20 years in a small community where perhaps high-end shoes aren't always on the top of everybody's radar well, I think people are still driven by comfort and um, a genuine product. So that is what we do. We do good quality. It's not as expensive as the high, high end. So we consider ourselves more medium. Um, but we have products and shoes that have uh, good construction. They're made with good materials. They support people, women and men, in what they do so that they can function pain-free, pretty much, uh, with the best of intentions. Is that, uh, is that one of your, your targets or your pain points, even, is, is uh, not just style, but, then, but thinking about shoes as something that is elemental to your health and, and to your physical well-being? Absolutely. I'm a big believer in um, construction kind of materials used. 
uh, how something is built, what it's built with. And from the ground up, we're in the soling business, I always say, the resoling business. <laughs> so uh, if you're in pain in your feet, it shows all through your body. Um, we see a lot of um, people with bad feet. We see people who've had a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. And um, my quest is to try and find something that is really good and comfortable so they can function mm. and be happy. Hmm. So w- would you say, Gene, that one of the things that sets you apart from, say, the average or big box um, um, shoe store would be the whole idea of customization and, um, and um, sort of the experience of helping somebody find that pair that fits just perfectly? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Being a retired nurse, so I have an understanding of uh, foot and body you know, health issues around the feet. Uh, and... I've always liked quality fabrics and and things anyway, so when you see how something is made well, it just doesn't compare to something that is a facsimile of something that is supposed to work well, but doesn't. Mm -hmm. It might look good, but it won't perform. It's like building a house out of cardboard. I mean, people hurt. (laughs) They're going to get wet. So um, form, function, and then the creative part of that is what gets me excited because I know that women they don't want to wear just plain black shoe all the time they want something that excites them and it should well and not just women but a, as a man myself I am excited. a man I am a man <laughs> we um, sell to men yeah <laughs> they do um, my wife and my two daughters had bought all Blundstones from you in mm-hmm. the past couple of years and they keep telling me you should go buy some and I'm like I hate you shopping that's the literal reason I didn't go it's just like, oh, whatever. I hate you shopping. Well, you know, a couple months ago, I found myself downtown and the rainy season was coming and I was sick of having wet feet. So I just sort of wandered in there spontaneously. And uh, you weren't there that, that day, but one of your associates um, literally just literally walked me through it. Yeah. Um, I didn't even mean to make that pun, but it was brilliant. <laughs> and uh, just started asking me all kinds of great, not annoying questions that a lot of salespeople, but, but really good questions. And I was like, oh, I don't know, actually, that is a good question. And then, and then just brought out the shoes and allowed me to try. And, and it's like they knew, okay, is it pinching here? Because that's a good thing if it's pinching there, but it's a bad thing if it's pinching there. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like a big thing for me. It was like, oh, okay. Cause like if, and so anyways, I, I ended up buying them, wearing them, and best shoes I've ever worn and most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. And, and the best part was the experience is, is I, I left with confidence in, in, you know, I spent, you know, they're, they're not, they're not inexpensive, right? Mm-hmm. You can find cheaper shoes than Blundstones, but, um, but totally worth it because of the whole process, the experience, and then walking away with that consumer confidence in, I bought from an expert and not just somebody like being paid, you know, perhaps minimum wage to just fill a slot in a big box store, mm-hmm. but that expert that can take you through, yeah. uh, was, was invaluable. Yeah. Well, Education is important, um, and being confident with what we're selling uh, really helps a sale, but it also helps make that product, which is a great product, um, sell even more, and people are liking it, and it's a perfect West Coast boot, you know what I mean? We don't need um, heavy-lined chemics or things like that here. We just don't have that kind of climate, but this is a good product. The company I buy from, who sells Blundstones in Canada, they're great people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it all sort of, um, uh, uh, what's the word, um, compounds on one another in, in that 
They're a great company. They have great service. They have great in, in training. How's their marketing budget? Their marketing budget's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just going to write that. Down. They market well <laughs> because it's on everybody's tongue, that yeah. word, that, you know, that brand. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a West Coast brand, and we are, uh, you know, we've got lots of listeners in various parts of the world, but uh, we are a West Coast podcast, so Bluntstones, you might hear from us. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to ask a little bit about um, the premium products and... Because we just we had a conversation earlier with um, with mattresses with uh, organic mattresses and it helps you sleep better and it it um, you know you're on that eight hours a day shoes you're you're on them for many hours a day especially I, like if you buy a shoe that is meant for all occasions mm-hmm. like Blundstones often are and but at the same time every single person has challenges with money. And so, so what I'm curious about is how, like, why, or what? How would you recommend people make decisions on how to prioritize their money? Because not everyone can afford the best shoes, the best mattress, uh, the best cocktail experience at their wedding, the the best organic vegetables all the time. So, what would you? And and I'll just throw, kind of throw this out there because that's not what you're in in an area of expertise in but maybe you could just give your uh any feedback on that and and john maybe maybe we can chime in as well well if you function really well in a cheaper product fine right the competitor will sell that they have their their um, bottom line is always the dollar um if i'm going to sell something and spend time selling it and it's a higher price then there's a bit, there's more in it for me, so that I can um, sell more of that. I can get it on more people. Some people aren't compromised by comfort at all. Then their bodies don't hurt, their feet don't hurt. That's fine. There's a lot out there for them. Um, some people are just driven by how it looks. That's fine. That's not my customer. But what I've attracted is something that people really want, which is comfort, because not everybody. Um, has pain-free feet, you know what I mean? Or they are doing a job that requires them to have footwear. If you didn't put shoes on every day, you couldn't go outside and do your job. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a requirement. How many you have might be what you might, might need to look at. Some people have one pair of shoes that'll last them two or three years, and I hear that from people. They come back and say, well, those shoes just didn't wear out. So they are supporting them. They're doing a lot for them. Um, allowing them to perform their daily functions with a sense of ease, whereas something that is a fraction of the price is a price-driven, you know that the staff are um, probably just run ragged, they can't serve everybody, they don't care, there's no profit in it for them, there's no care. We care. I care about my staff, I care about their families, I care about the product, I care about how it even looks, how it's placed, everything, to... um, move on in the resoling business well and, and the thing about being a luxury brand which, which, which you are is is that's all you sell mm-hmm. like you don't sell the cheap brands like yeah. and so i think a key one of the keys to your success must be you know who you are you don't mm-hmm. apologize for it that's right right and you and you say i know this isn't for everybody not everyone is going to spend a couple hundred dollars or more on, on a pair of shoes that are super well made and comfortable 
that's fine. I'm not going to try and find get those people. I'm not going to try and convince those people. Right? There's other places for you. That's but right. for the person who does value it, and there's a lot in the, on the island, then they'll come to you. Yeah, yeah and, and just what you said about knowing knowing yourself, knowing your pain points, because not everyone can afford the the best pair of shoes. But if you suffer from foot pain or, or maybe low back pain, and, and it's because you work a job in cheap shoes, maybe it's just that opportunity to, to dig down a little bit deeper and into your level of awareness. I'm like, okay, I've, I've bought shoes three times this year mm-hmm. because they're cheap and I'm throwing them away because sure, they're yeah. literally, I'm wearing through them. And if I had have spent the amount of money that each of those pairs cost on one quality pair of shoes that I was actually comfortable in and are doing my feet service and I, now I'll you know no longer have low back stiffness, it's just that opportunity for mindfulness and, and the whole idea of mindful spending and, and our, our habits. Um, we've had a couple of great conversations on the podcast in, in the last 10 or so episodes, one with Chris Istesh, uh and another one with Mike Riley. Um, so if you're interested in that kind of conversation and, and about how our habits and, and how our attitude towards money can contribute to our own sense of um, financial security and, and wealth, and, and then maybe free up an opportunity to to invest in your own foot health and and function. Um, yeah, check that out and, and um, yeah, maybe dig a little deeper. Well, and, and one thing that made, made me think of, Andrew, is just the whole idea of is pay now or pay later. You know, when you buy a really well-made um, shoe or even a dishwasher or, you know, an appliance, it's going to last you way longer than those cheap ones. A computer, same thing. So you really pay now or pay, pay later. If you look at how, what you spent over a five-year period on those things, it's probably a, around the same or even more because you're having to replace it all the time. Plus, we're contributing to a throwaway culture, which is bad for the environment. So just invest your money at once in something that will carry you through years and years and years. And that's what's more eco and local and sustainable than that yeah absolutely yeah cool well thank you gene for the time and the interesting dialogue um we kind of we we went in a few different places there but it was uh it was a super rich conversation and we appreciate your um perspective and feedback you're welcome thanks pleasure (laughs) okay adara welcome to obstacle course we are getting a little bit late in the day, but we've uh, we've saved some time. We've made the time to make this happen. So welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And uh, we're here to talk about storytelling because that's what we all do. That's mm. what joins us together. Honestly, it's the origin of time is storytelling. Like, that's how we've learned everything is through story. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, think back, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. That's as far back as you can think. Sesame Street. <laughs> I, had. I thought you were going to say like the Bible or something. Yeah. Well. Be- Beowulf. <laughs> or the cave paintings. Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Yeah. We can go, go way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tell us about the stories that you tell. Oh, man. So many. So, so far, my husband and I have told over 2,000 stories. I'm counting. And wow. uh, they've been of all of these people in all of these places from Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Mexico. We were just in New York City. And basically, the excitement and thrill of it all is that we get to go into these people's worlds 
and like I've been in like Nickelback's mansion. What? I've been in um, some really crazy places, like what people's airplanes, and um, I'm trying to think of all the cool places I've been. But um, basically, people are living their life there and doing their thing, and we get to like sneak in and like be them for like the day or whatever. And do you learn. ever get do you ever get caught? sneaking into things that I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. always yeah I'm I'm a little bit curious like that like I'm, I'm I'm probably not working but I'm saying I'm working and yeah uh yeah and and then learning what these people do it's it's very cool having a job where um we get to tell so many stories and like see their perspective of their life and how they live it so do you only only tell fancy people stories or do you tell they had planes and mansions? <laughs> <laughs> no, we tell this. So this guy, Monty, who lives yeah. in Parksville, he opened this um, surf camp in Nicaragua and he gives back everything he makes to the local community oh, there. That's awesome. um, and we went to this garbage dump that literally 300 people lived at and we served them lunch, which wow. was quite a shocker for me because I am a germaphobe. So it was really hard for me to uh, get over the fact that it was very dirty. Yeah. But I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna even. We're going to India and we're going wow. to Southeast Asia, and I'm gonna tell some cool ass stories from over there. Yeah. I'm gonna get dirty. Yeah. I'm ready. How did you first get into storytelling? What what drew you in other than the stories themselves? Because obviously we are a storytelling culture, and, and it's got a magnetic effect. But what about storytelling brought you in and, and how did you start Spiro Cre- Creative? Yeah, so Spiro Creative. Spiro, actually how, how did you start came Spiro, up with Spiro Creative? Well, I was just she never say, started Spiro. <laughs> no, I, never, I don't know what that is. Uh, no, I know. My name's Adira, Adara, and Spiro and Spiro. I know. I just do it to screw with you. And, and it. we're not good with phonetics, no. so we're no. pretty you're, hopeless. You're amazing, actually. It's all good. I um, started it, so spiro means to breathe life into body, mind, and soul. So it was a derivative of the word spirer, which around spirit. And uh, my husband and I started that. We met uh, through an opportunity when I had a TV show on Czech TV, and he came and played one of the actors on the show. And I like fell for him and kind of uh, tried to lure him into my world with chocolate. Worked. Nice. And uh, we fell in love, and that's been that. And we've had this company together. Um, but previously to that, I was just very curious. Just always been really curious. My husband hates it because I'm always like, why are you doing that? What's that? What, what's this mean? So I was just like that in people's lives and I think that's how I became so interested in story is because I was just so curious Hmm. of like why people were doing what they were doing like I even did a strike in grade six at school I got all the classmates to go outside and we were all striking because I saw that the teachers had done it (laughs) and I couldn't understand why we couldn't do it right so it was just like this constant why but why you know Um, and then trying to change our culture around the stories that we're telling so we try to tell really good stories with good people doing really good work in the world because we're really here to elevate people's consciousness to do better and be better people. And the only way they're going to do that is if they hear that other people are doing that and they hear a good story and or they have the wherewithal within them to recognize that they're the change. And the only way they're going to do that is if they're feeling good about themselves, period. So, so here's a great question for you. Yeah. Um, as storytellers <laughs> ourselves, in a, in a, in, without showing our faces because nobody really wants to see them, um, what would you what would you suggest in terms of making sure that you do your prep so you're not you don't get in the middle of telling what you realize is a bad story? You know mm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. so like that do you, do you vet do, do you sort of like 
do your research so you're not like in the middle of something where you're like, okay, this is not what we thought it was going to be. How do you deal with that when when you're telling it? Well, it was interesting because when we first met the three of us, you had said that you really liked the word authenticity that we use on our yeah. on our poster and in our work, and that's really big to us. And a lot of people come off that they're very authentic, and you right. sign contracts and you fly to see them, and then you recognize that deep, deep down, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering, right. and they're trying to take it out on everybody. And, and yeah. they're not who they say they are. And a lot of time we have to like fabricate that these people are awesome, but they're not. But they want to be. So I don't know. We have a hard time with that because um, I don't want to be like, listen, you suck right now and you're going to suck forever. So I'm not going to profile you. I kind of want to be like, you suck right now. I'm hoping this video showcases how awesome you can be. And then you'll start to live up to this person that you know, you you want to hmm. uh, put yourself out there as. Okay. It's a lofty goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> well, I really like the idea of what I heard you saying earlier. There's a lot of, you want to tell positive stories to help inspire because there's, and this is an assumption I'm making because we see a lot of negative stories out there. We see the worst parts of humanity and society and all the negative things that are happening in the world through media what do you hope to accomplish going forward with Spiro Spiro like the spirit oh man we tell so many amazing stories so we just wrapped up this project uh, showcasing Canada through the lens of an indigenous woman because their voice has always never been heard and so we met with a bunch of different um, bands and uh, tribes uh, Métis Inuit and we were telling their stories which was really really freaking cool and it's actually got me all off on this lofty goal which is going to happen I'm going to say here first on the radio podcast is uh Netflix is going to pick up this docu-series that I'm going to do, traveling around the world, interviewing women in leadership roles that lead in the feminine. So um, they're there all around community and collaboration and connecting with one another. But So that's, that's where I'm heading. Love it. Um, we just finished uh, another video for the Canadian Red Cross. So we do a lot of uh, their work around uh, their response uh, when it comes to disaster. Um, I, I actually do all the voice work for that, for that one, so if you hear it. This, hey. <laughs> this little juggler oh. right here. Uh, and, yeah, moving forward, I'm just trying to think of other amazing, inspiring... Um, sometimes it's like these small little things, too. Like um, this woman for 30 years has been taking children... Has been taking children. <laughs> you like this <laughs> setup? Where did your head go? Okay. I leaned in. So I, I witnessed <laughs> news. <laughs> um, she she gra- she grabs kids. Um, she takes kids uh, from ages two to eighteen and puts them in um, a room. <laughs> this is all sounding oh, just like I'm, something else. I'm, I'm trying real hard to just <laughs> to change the narrative here. Um, basically, and at the end of the five days together, they put on like a fiddler on the roof or a Phantom of the Opera, oh, some kind of play. Awesome. So anyway, they're peer to peer learning in there, and it's so cool to see these kids like come into their own just by being with someone who's just a couple years older than them. Because the, in the old days, that's how we actually went to school we were like in grade kindergarten to to 12 or whatever yeah. all in one in room a little schoolhouse yes and it's actually shown that that is the best way that we learn is uh, is from someone just a little bit older than us so hmm. um so that's been pretty cool i mean that her, that's her legacy she's impacted like thousands of kids um so we just told that story so it's just cool stuff like i don't know those samples i don't know if they're yeah, cool but i tried real hard here's a good question who are the storytellers that you look to mm that inspire you to d- up your game and do great work? 
Yeah, it's interesting because my husband is such a storyteller at heart. Uh, he reads fiction. He's writing a novel. It's the second book. So um, he gets really into, like, if you asked him that question, he could tell you, like, raffle off, like, his favorite authors. Um, I'm a self-help junkie. Like, I have a shelf help for sure. Hmm. Um, so I'm, like, on the more Brene Brown side, and I get really motivated by, um, like, Simon Sinek or, like, um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Simon Sinek. I, I've never known either. Right. He probably doesn't even know. Um, Gary Vanderjees, Vanderjees, yep. Vanderchuk uh, can sometimes uh, do it for me. But it's basically these people that are like laying down raw truth, basically, yeah. that I get excited to mm-hmm. listen to, right? Great. Great. I have a question about, so you're telling the positive stories and wanting to bring out the best in humanity, which we fully support here. We, will, we aim to do a similar thing of inspiring through sharing stories. Why do you think there are so many negative stories out there? Why do you think traditional media, Control, whether it's news... power, deception, keeping you stuck, small... But, but why are we drawn in by that? Uh, well, fear, pri- primarily. Like, keeping you stuck and small and fearful makes you very easy to control and very easy to manipulate. So if you don't have your own voice or your own way of thinking... Uh, you're going to go with everyone else and you're going to be an, ar- an army leader, ba- a soldier, basically, mm. instead of like the general, if you will. Mm. And yep. so basically you and I are all trying to like wake up the generals of the world and be like, hey, listen, you actually don't have to go along with what everybody's telling you. It's actually bullshit. And you get to choose what you want to do with your life. And if you're doing good and you're feeling good, then we're going to create great things on this planet and stop with the destruct the destruction like the self destruction and the destruction of of Mother Earth. So uh, this is why this is so imperative that you're sticking up for uh, storytellers. Well, and plus all those stories are low hanging fruit that connect with our lesser selves and our lower nature yeah. and, and the ego of the world. And we're trying to raise the standard to connect with our higher selves and tell uh, tell bigger and more beautiful stories. Right? Love it. Yeah. We're trying to raise the frequency. Exactly. Yeah. Is that is that right for you too? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. You said that well, and John, you right. added to it. So nice. I think that's a great place to wrap up and uh, and continue making connections this afternoon and and sharing stories. Yeah, I actually go on in like fifteen minutes. So thanks for the warm up, guys. Thank for you. Sure. Yeah, nailed it. Spiro Cheers. Creative. Adara. Adara. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you liked what you heard here, check out the website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That's where you can subscribe, check out the show notes. If we had one request, we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode. It's not because we have fragile egos. Well. But because we want other great people like you to benefit. Speaking of great people, we have a list of people we want to thank. We've got our senior technical advisor, Andy Robertson. Our media partner and web designer, Sticky Media. And of course, our host, and snack coordinator, Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.